Okay, we will see us start in three, two, one. What up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Right now, we got Clint Cooper, aka Clint the Closer. So, uh, yeah, Clint is uh, in our future flipper program with us, um, which is Ryan Pineda's program. If you guys are interested, that's where we all got introduced to each other. It's great for networking. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I want to start off with a question that's kind of off script that we didn't even talk about. Who do you think is a better closer, Clint? Me or you? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm pretty confident in myself. So. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, appreciate it for sure, man. Appreciate you being here. And yeah, if you guys don't know, Clint is an animal. He's doing a lot of high dollar flips, doing a lot of big things. And uh, he's like, one of the uh, biggest all-stars in the all-star group. <laughs> Appreciate it. Just getting started though, man. Early in my journey. I, uh, you know, just to give you guys a little background, I got started in December, 2020. So I've been doing this for about 10, uh, 11 months now. And uh, I love real estate. It's, it's uh, it reminds me of sports. I was big into sports growing up and it's just like another game. So. I did, I did not realize you've only been doing it for 10 months. That's nuts. Um, yeah, that's crazy, dude. I thought I thought you've been doing this for years, just with the amount of volume and the amount of money that you're making. I'm like, dude, this guy's been doing it a while, but you just went all in. Apparently, <laughs> I did. I uh, I was in, uh, you know, just to give you a little background, I had uh, another business. I was in a sports information and insight company that I owned with a 50% partner, and we decided to part ways. So I needed to figure out, you know, what my next um, career was going to be. So I ended up selling my house, liquidated everything I had basically because I was nervous, didn't know what to do. When I sold my house, I made like, I don't know, 175 grand profit on the house. And I owned the house for a year, didn't do any work on it, just natural appreciation. And that's when the light bulb went off. You know, maybe real estate is it. So that's that's crazy. What market are you in again? I'm just outside of the Atlanta area. So I basically invest all Metro Atlanta. Nice. You said that you had a partner in your previous business, but then I saw you have a partner in this business. Obviously, he's important to your business because you just got your sound working <laughs> for this podcast. Um, I wondered, uh, there's so many people out there who are like, hey, how do you find your business partner? And I'm like, dude, we just been friends for like 13 years. I have no advice for them. I'm just like, just be friends with somebody and uh, wait and see how things turn out. <laughs> How did you find your partner and how did you know he was the right partner and what does he do? So he's technically not like an official partner, but I pretty much consider him one. I started this business on my own. Um, he came on in June. So after about six months of me doing this and I hired him as my COO, um, me and him were the same fraternity in college. Um, just a overall good dude. Uh, good values. We really aligned. He's really good at the stuff I'm not good at, like AKA technical stuff, like fixing the sound on the podcast. So um, he's, he's really good and complements my skill set well. And I think that's really important with, you know, when you're choosing a partner and also you have to have, you know, same vision. Um, you know, if you're going to go into business with them as a 50, 50 partner, you know, you need to make sure you're money in the business is the same. You just have to be very aligned with that person or it's not going to work out. Business partnerships are tough. Um, like I said, my previous business uh, in the sports business was um, me and my partnership. It went south. It just it wasn't working out. We had different visions of how we wanted to run the company. We had different visions of, of where we saw ourselves in five years. So it just wasn't working out. So I ended up selling my shares to him. Um, but it's just extremely important to be really aligned. And it's also good to have that complimentary skill set, you know, being good at stuff. The other one isn't. What did the conversation look like? For which one? When, when you got started with Cooper cash offer. Um, so uh, he was at the first employee I hired and um, he moved up near me. He was living in downtown Atlanta, moved up my way. And I'd been looking for someone to hire for a while. I wasn't sure exactly what I was looking for, but I just knew the person he was. And, uh, you know, I basically had to, you know, figure out how much he was making and, and offer him the same or more. And, uh, but I mean, the, he was interested in real estate, had dabbled in it a little himself. He had owned a duplex at the time, but he was always listening to bigger pockets podcasts and, 
wanted to get involved and this was an avenue. So we talked about it, came up with a number and he jumped ship. He was all in. And I think that's also important, you know, when hiring and, and uh, you know, be- becoming partners with someone, you got to have someone who's all in, wants to, you know, put in the work and, uh, you know, really grow the team. So he's he's been a huge help. I definitely wouldn't be in the position I am without him. Yeah, I'm interested to know uh, how your other partnership ended. So how long did you have that business? And then how did that uh, like partnership dissolve? Obviously, you know, you give up your shares. Like, are you guys still friends to this day? Or like, what what was the end result of all that? Because, you know, that's what everybody talks about with us is like, I remember whenever we first looked at a property, we bought a property for $3,000. It was one of our first deals that we ever did. Mm-hmm. And the guy like knew that he's like, dude, like he could tell that we were going to buy a lot more deals. He's like, that's something that I'm going to like warn you guys about now is like, don't let money come in between you guys. Um, and like, we have not to this date, but I just want to hear from your experience, what happened, what was uh, done and everything. Sure. Sure. So, you know, money was definitely a big issue with that partnership. Um, you know, I, I think my partner had uh, not necessarily an ego, but he was, more the reason we got the business started so he thought he needed more money he was the sports expert he was the guy you know providing the information i was but the behind the scenes guy doing all the marketing uh you know handling the operation basically and uh, running the social medias um so the reason we really got you know it, it, it we separated was because of the the money uh the disagreement and you know who should be paid what and then also just how we wanted to run the business. I wanted to scale the business and hire people to do the jobs for us. So we're not working as much and we can focus on other things. He wanted to be hands-on fully, both of us all the time. We were working seven days a week, 15, 16 hours a day. Uh, like I said, we were in the sports business. Sports never stops, um, you know, seven days a week. So um, I have a family. Uh, I've got a, a daughter and an, another kid on the way and uh, a wife and we live out in the suburbs he lives in the city he's a single guy um and uh, about 45 minutes from me and he's we he wanted to work all the time and that's just not me i i wanted to build a lifestyle that i wanted i didn't want to be the workaholic not seeing my kids not being with my family and that's where the biggest disagreement came but it was also the money um it got very ugly for a while uh we got lawyers involved um ended up getting rid of the lawyers and coming up with agreement, uh, together. And, uh, he bought, bought me out. I'm not part of the company at all. And, uh, you know, it took a few months to repair, but me and him are still very close. Um, we still talk on a regular basis. We're in fantasy football leagues together. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy it happened because he was a really good friend, but just as a business partner, it didn't, it, it, it just wasn't going to work. That's awesome. So what would your advice be to anybody that's going to be getting into partnerships or anything? Would you say that like, you know, the operating agreement up front is very important or like, you know, just making sure that you align all that or like, you know, you talked about it a little bit, make sure you're, you know, you're going where you want to go, but is there any other advice that you can think of? Just make sure, you know, it's the right person. It's someone that you can see yourself working with long-term, someone who doesn't, you know, have a big temper or, or someone that you can, you know, literally see, cause it's, I mean, business partnerships are like a marriage. They really are. You got to be able to, um, you know, be compatible. And me and him also had very similar skill sets, which I also don't think was the best, you know, I'm not, I was doing the operation side, but I don't think I, that was the best fit for me. You know, I, I think I should have been more on the, the sales side, but, um, the closing. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Closing deals. And uh, you just have to be really careful when you're picking someone. You got to make sure they're the right person because so many people get into businesses and they just, oh yeah, let's do it, you know, with a, with a friend or whatever. And so many end up not working out. And the main time it stops working out is when the money gets real, you know, when you actually start making a lot of money. So you just got to be careful with you choose, make sure, you know, your values align and your vision aligns. That's the main thing, I think. Awesome. Awesome. So the crazy thing is we started off with three of us and then we ended up buying one of our partners out very early as well. So luckily it was before a lot of money happened and stuff. So, yeah. He was the L. Yep. L and LP. Oh, I was wondering where the L came from. Wow. Yep. Gotcha. Right over here on our wall too, like a little neon sign. Yeah. Well, it's great. Y'all got him out early because, you know, that it would have just been toxic. It would have been 
it, it would have been tough for your life. It, it was a really tough life for my, for me, my wife, and I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. You know, we, we became millionaires at 29 years old, both of us. And, uh, um, from that business. And, uh, it was a, it was a blessing and a curse. Um, uh, but I'm so happy I'm in real estate now and I'm really building the life I want and not just worried about the money, more about building, you know, being able to spend time with family, being able to do things when I want. Um, that, that's just as important to me as money. Yep. What do you, uh, can, uh, I'll ask you this. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but, uh, what do you pay your partner and does he have ownership or how much ownership? He does not have ownership currently. He's getting 5% of net on flips and he's on a $70,000 salary. So wow. he's paid, he's paid well. Um, we're eventually going to go to a, um, just straight commission. And I don't, we haven't talked about the number yet, but as we grow, we're definitely going to work in more of a commission style pay, um, versus having the salary there. Okay. Well, thanks for telling us too. I know that's kind of personal, but yeah. it helps people who watch it later and have that question, like how much should I pay my people? How much does Clint the Closer pay his people? You sure. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a tough subject to talk about, but I'm super transparent. I want him to be happy. I want to be happy. You know, we're, we're in this for the long run and he's told me that. So I, I want to make sure, you know, he's done well. And I talked to um, Ryan Pineda about it a little bit, actually. And he told me, you know, the best thing to do is do commission only with your, if you have a COO, because uh, it's going to incentivize them to work harder and build the company with you. So that's the plan. I'm, we're going to go for 2022. How many uh, employees do you have now? And like, uh, what does each position look like? And what is your role in all of it? Sure. So um, I'm technically the CEO, I guess. Um, Tyler's a COO. I hired his dad, actually, for our project manager. So his dad is on full time with us. Um, I bought him a company truck and he's basically controlling all the projects. And it's been a super, it's been a blessing because I'm not even going to these houses I'm buying anymore. I'm not having to go check on the rehab. He's going around to all these properties. And, uh, that was a great fit. And, you know, like they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And that was the case with Tyler's dad. So, uh, been a great addition. I hired two acquisitions, um, salespeople, um, three weeks ago. So they've been on board with me three weeks and that's kind of where I'm going. I really want to get more into wholesaling, um, so I don't have as much money out on these flips um, and get more volume. Um, I don't want, because I currently we've done 30 deals this year. I'm responsible for every deal that's came in. Um, so I just want to get to where, you know, the team's getting deals and it's not just on me. That's awesome. So you've got 30 deals and you started, uh, when did you say you started 10 months ago? December, 2020 is when I started. So 11 months. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's just not count December then. So basically like, yeah. you know, from January on you've, done a massive amount do you know do you know how much uh profit you've made on those deals yeah so i actually bought my first deal in february so that was like the first house i bought and uh um i've made right at seven hundred and seventy thousand net on those deals so far um and i have i own i guess 10 houses right now so i've got some that are going to be closing soon we should do, I think we're projected to do like 1.1 by the end of December million. That, that gets me into the next question then. So when your partner bought you out, did you get us like over a million then? Or like what, like I've noticed that it's not like Tony and I couldn't have like whenever we first started do a mass amount of deals, but we did three deals our first year. Yeah, um, you started off sprinting. Like yeah. you were Usain Bolt in this right yeah, off correct. the bat. But, but I also, and you know, I, I guess you can credit me some for that, but I also had money. I could live for years without making a dollar. Like I was, I was in a good financial position and I'm also a big risk taker always have been. So real estate was really like a perfect Avenue for me to get going quick. I just needed the foundation there. And, you know, joining Ryan Pineda's program was, you know, gave, gave me that foundation. I learned so much. I'm big into networking. You know, I try to know everybody in the area. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. I was that guy at school was, going down and saying, Hey, to everybody, that was, that was just my personality. And, um, that's extremely helpful in real estate. It's, it's a, it's a great, um, attribute to have. And, um, that's why I really started. Cause I, I wasn't scared. You know, I, I, I was a millionaire at the time, literally had a million dollars in December in my bank account, ready to go. And I put, I remember in December, I put 600 grand in my company bank account and I was just like, let's do it. Let's, let's see what happens. And 
uh, it's been great. It's been super fun. Um, and I'm excited for the future. Yeah. That's- some of the flips that you're buying don't just look like regular houses either. Like yeah. I looked at one, it looked like the white house. Like it looked <laughs> yeah. like it was like 10,000 square feet. I was like, what the heck is Clint doing? Like compared <laughs> to everybody else in the group, it's like, dude, sure. you're flipping like, uh, old hospitals or something that house was <laughs> ginormous are you only doing like luxury stuff are you doing no. things so my average i was looking at this earlier my average purchase price on the year is two hundred seventy-seven thousand. but the last two deals i bought was 450 and 890k so um in that 890k one that's the one you're referring to the big one with the big columns um that one's in one of the most that, that one's in the most prestigious part of Atlanta. Um, it's uh, it's seven thousand square feet. <laughs> We're gonna spend over three hundred fifty thousand dollars on the rehab. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's got a one point eight million dollar ARV. We should make over three hundred k on the flip. So, uh, yeah, it's next level stuff, and I'm being real. Like these these last houses, I haven't been as careful because I have my project manager handling everything. But I'm putting my hands on this one because it's you know it's a big deal. I'm getting an architect. I'm getting a a full interior designer. So, Dakota, you'd love it. It's mostly pillars. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a sweet house. Like it's it's awesome. why don't you why don't you move in that one <laughs> i don't i don't know if I, I i don't care i don't care to live in atlanta it's not my style i like living in the burbs personally yeah, but um it's gonna be a sweet house we're gonna try to get it in a few magazine atlanta magazines to hopefully help sell it as well um but yeah it's, it's a big awesome. deal yeah, yeah i'm super excited about it i was gonna ask you some personality type questions because i noticed it looks like you grew up in a small town and then you went to another small town even your college was kind of in a small town and then you have this like uh, you know, you got your Falcons jersey on there. Yeah, yeah. And you see, you seem to kind of have grown up as like the stereotypical frat boy, and also like some Southern in you. Like you can tell. Hundred uh, percent. I saw, I saw a shark. Like you guys accidentally got a shark uh, hooked with uh, when you were out fishing. Yep. And uh, I was just like, man, has Clint ever done anything that's less? a less manly activity like have you ever been in musical theater have you sang if danced anything like that you just like nope all manly stuff i I mean i was i was big into sports growing up and you know uh, you said you know you grew up in a small town and i did growing up like i grew up in south georgia and you know it's super country area um I don't care for that area at all. I'm not really proud of where I'm born. It's terrible city. It's like the ass pit of Georgia. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I grew up in a super small town, but when I moved in high school, I moved to suburbs of Atlanta and I actually graduated with over a thousand people in my class. So it was a big school and I got really big into sports. My dad was always big into fishing and hunting. Um, so I got, I got into that. Um, but yeah, I never did the, musical theater or the singing or anything it wasn't really my cup of tea <laughs> awesome dude it reminds me uh whenever you talk about those big flips that just reminds me of the Boakley brothers that's what they talked about so where I guess my main question would be where are you finding deals like that because you know like what we've noticed is that it's very hard to find properties in nicer areas that are going below market value Sure. Um, so where are you finding like these people who have a lot of money who are willing to sell at a lower price Sure. So that specifically that, you know, $890,000 house, um, I found that one on market. It had been sitting on market for like, I don't know, 60 days or so. And uh, it was way overpriced. I put it in a low ball offer. We ended up working on a deal. It was listed for just under a million. So I got almost over a hundred thousand dollars off on the asking price. Um, But I would say in terms of deals, I'm like really spread out in terms of where it's coming from. So I bought I don't know, maybe 30% from wholesalers, 30% from realtor relationships with pocket listings. And then about, you know, the other 30% or so with uh, direct to seller marketing, doing cold calling, texting. And uh, we've really gotten heavy in the direct mail recently. Wow. And then are you self-funding most of these? Are you using banks, private money lenders, et cetera? So when I started out in the beginning, I had a bank. They were giving me great rates. The biggest issue with them was I'd have to put up 25% of purchase price. So they'd 
fund 75% of the, the uh, house purchase and then 100% of the rehab, I was getting 4.25% in one point. So great rates. But the problem is the amount of cash I was having to put up for the deals. Uh, so recently, I've really switched to rate starting to raise a lot of private capital. And uh, basically, what I'm offering that on is 10%, no points. And uh, that's how I'm funding, I guess, 75% of my deals right now. And I'm looking for more private investors as well. But um, and then the other ones, I've used a few hard money loans. I've used like lending home. But um, yeah, that's the, the goal is to get where I'm doing all private money because it's super simple. I'm not putting up any cash or funding 100% of purchase, 100% of rehab. So super nice going to closing with no money and getting a check back at the closing. No question. And then, uh, so you said 10%, do you do monthly payments or you just pay them back out at the end? Deferred interest is always the goal for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. You said you have 10 properties right now. You have those as rentals or those, that's just the amount of deals that you're in the middle of flipping. Do you keep any rentals? Do you do Airbnbs? Do you have any that are residual monthly? Yeah. So it's funny. I was just having a conversation with my CPA about that. And he was telling me I need to start keeping a lot more than I am. So I've got two out of those 10 that I'm planning on keeping. The rest are just under construction or, I mean, I guess they're all under construction, but I'm just going to end up keeping two of those of the eight and then we'll sell the other. But next year, I really want to plan to keep at least 10 houses. Um, that's the plan. So we'll, we'll see if it works out, but I'm going to need those tax write-offs uh, for next year. So, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, your family. Sure. Uh, what lessons have you learned from your marriage? Like, what do you think one of the best lessons is that you've learned from being married or from your marriage? Um, I guess it would be, you know, like, like I said before with, you know, making sure everything aligns correctly and being transparent about everything and having that vision, um, just the same way with my partnership in my previous business didn't work. Um, you know, it's worked really well with my wife because all of those goals, those visions we've aligned super well. Um, I like, you know, spending time with, with my wife, like, you know, some people, some business guys, you know, don't know how to turn it off and I'm really good at turning off. Like I can, you know, uh, of course, if a deal calls on my phone, if a deal comes to my phone or something, I'm going to react to it, but I'm really good at, you know, being present in the moment and, and, uh, you know, spending that the quality time with my family. When I get home at five, from five to seven, you know, that's family time. So um, I've just learned to prioritize it because it was rocky when I was in my past uh, business, when I was working 15, 16 hours a day, Monday through Sunday. Um, I just really had to prioritize that time with with my family each day. So that, that's really what I've learned is, um, you know, make time for those people. Because at the end of the day, you know, money's money. Um, you still want to live a fulfilling life and, uh, business is not everything. I, I like it and it's a fun game. I like having money, but at the end of the day, you know, I want to live a life worth, worth living, not just worry about the money and business all the time. No question. I mean, if you, if you have all the money and you're not actually living a happy life or living a good life, then there's basically no point. Cause that's, that's realistically why you should want money is that way you can live a better life, spend more time with your family or do things that you actually want to do. But yeah, it does seem like a lot of people just want more money just for notoriety. And uh, at the same time, it does not give fulfillment. Um, one Absolutely. question I did. Yeah. yeah and it, it, just to go off that too, it's like, you know, when I was making all that money with my previous business and, and doing really well, like, you know, hitting career goals, like became a millionaire at 29. Um, I wasn't happy then. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't happy at all. Um, I wasn't being able to spend time with my wife. I was working all the time. Um, it just, it wasn't a good life, even though the money was great. And I was, you know, getting things that, you know, material stuff that I'd always wanted and, you know, never had the opportunity to get before. I still wasn't happy because it just wasn't a, it wasn't a life worth living to me. Yep. And a lot of people, I would say like, you know, from the outside looking in, they'll think you have it all and then think that your life is great and they envy you. And you're like, dude, you don't want to be me. You know, like where I'm at right now is literally not where you want to be. You're also grateful for it because, you know, obviously you're given an opportunity. You took advantage of that, but like the things that you sacrifice, sometimes like you find out later that it definitely wasn't worth it. So that's awesome that you got that figured out. 
Um, how often would you say you go over your goals then with your wife? Like, do you guys sit down and say, hey, here's where we're going. This is, you know, how much time we want to spend together. Like, you know, do you guys sit down and plan? And if so, how often do you actually do that? Because obviously people change and goals change. So how often do you do that if you do that with your wife? Um, I wouldn't say we like, you know, set a specific time, but I do like to bring it up on a pretty regular basis about, you know, where the business is going, where I want it to be you know, where, how, how much time I want to be able to spend with you on a weekly basis. And I've told her, you know, the, this early period of me growing this business and, and learning it, you know, I'm going to have to put in more time than I will down the road. But if I put in this time now and put in the work and get the team built up, I'm going to be able to step away, do vacations with the family. And I'm doing some of that now, don't get me wrong. Um, but, um, right now while I'm building this business, I pretty much communicated to her, you know, I need to put in this work now, nothing crazy, nothing excessive. But if I put in this work now, we can have a life where we can travel, you know, once a month or, um, you know, do, do things when we want them, um, versus now I know I need to put in the work to get where I want to be. Is she involved in the business at all? She's actually my newest employee. She's my my newest transaction coordinator. So she's taking that load off me. I spend way too much time dealing with title companies, closing attorneys. So she's taking that load off me. It's super nice. Um, Like I said, we've got a daughter. She goes to daycare three days a week. So um, she's in the office on those three days. And then um, we got another kid on the way. So I have a feeling I'm going to have to replace her. But for right now, it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a place that we're trying to uh, figure out too. Because yeah, we spent a lot of time just following up with people who should be doing their job. But you know, sometimes they get distracted too. So 100%. I was going to ask a little bit more about your family before we moved into some more real estate stuff. Uh, What are some lessons that you've learned from your daughter? Lessons I've learned from my daughter. (laughs) Well, she, she's only one and a half. So, um, or just like like becoming a dad or being a dad. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just being more present in the moment. Um, she can tell when I'm not and, you know, she'll come over, you know, grab it on my leg or something like pay attention to me. Um, so I guess that's really the biggest thing is just being present in the moment. And, uh, you know, obviously I want, I want to be good at everything I do and being a dad, it takes work. It's not, it's not just like, I'm going to be a good dad right off the bat. It's just, you got to work at it just like anything else. Yeah. When you, when you talk about being present, so you said that you gotten pretty good at it now. Um, and like, you know, you're better at being present with your wife and everything. That's something that I definitely struggle with because you said you're able to turn it off. And you said most other business guys cannot. Well, I'm one of those guys that apparently cannot because like all I'm thinking about is like, dude, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This has got to happen. This isn't done. And like, it's just always there to where I can't even like enjoy, uh, any time away from it because I'm always thinking about it. So was there a time that you were not like that when you were working so often? And then how did you actually make that switch? Absolutely. So like, like I said, with the previous business, it was, uh, you know, nonstop work and it was mainly on my phone the entire time because that's where all the work came. Um, And with this business, it's like, I didn't want to be that guy just constantly on the phone. And, you know, everybody's got certain things that they, you know, aren't great at. And I still probably use my phone a little bit too much. I mean, everybody could put it up every now and then, but it's really just, you know, putting it up. Like I'll, I'll put my phone in the pocket turn on silent, turn off my notifications and uh, won't worry about it for those five from that five to 7 PM on the weekdays. And then on the weekends, you know, I'm, I'm around as much as possible, but I guess it would be just, you know, actually putting focus on that in your life. Like you can't just decide you're going to do it and not actually like implement that idea. Like you've actually got to put in the work to make sure you're putting up that phone daily and, and uh, spending time, quality time with your family. Uh, I was going to ask you about uh, your monthly overhead. Do you know sure. how much you guys are spending on marketing, on flips, on contractors? If you could break it down a little bit, like what's your marketing spend and then what's your flip spend? Sure. Um, so up until I guess it was two months ago, I pretty much hadn't done too much direct seller marketing. I've had one VA with me since December, since I started. And he's, and I pulled a few lists in the beginning and I've gotten some deals from it, but I really didn't put a focus into it because I didn't have a team in place. I didn't have Tyler with me. I was doing it by myself and I was getting deals through pocket listings, through realtors, wholesalers, 
And that, that was as much as I could handle, really. Um, being a one-man team, it was, it was difficult to do much more. So I've really, these past two months, um, we spent 14K each month on marketing. And before, I'd never spent maybe over $1,000 in a month. Uh, so we're really trying to get that fine-tuned and, and figure out. But right now, we're spending 14K a month on marketing. Um, as far as the flip goes, um, I really don't know. So you, and that's the thing I was talking about earlier with hiring someone that compliments you. I'm not the analytical guy. I don't like looking at the numbers. I just know if it makes sense or not. And so Tyler's really that person who's, you know, analyzing our numbers, making sure, you know, we're not spending too much or and tra tracking our KPIs. I didn't even know what a KPI was two months ago. So uh, he's been a huge help in that department. But as far as flips, I really don't know exactly what we're spending. I mean, we're taking our rehab draws where we have them. Um, but I would say our average rehab right now is probably 50K or so. Um, a lot of my business, and I, I, didn't, I haven't touched on this yet, but a lot of my business this year has been just buying these homes and wholetailing them, selling them as wow. is. Um, I was kind of the, and you know, I don't want to take too much credit for this because I know there was other people out there doing this, but I was kind of the person who put the whole Future Flipper All-Star group on the open door. Um, I tried it back in, in April and it was like a grand slam. It was a deal. I couldn't even make money on if I flipped it and I ended up making 60 K on it. So, um, I've sold of the 30 houses I have, I've sold 16 to open door. Wow. So it's been a big part of my business <laughs> to say the least. And been an awesome part because it's super easy. I own these homes for 30 days max and flip them. Don't do anything. Don't ever turn the utilities on nothing. Just sell <laughs> So, exactly. I, wish, I wish we had open door, man. Yeah. It's so much more difficult. It's hilarious <laughs> too, because like we we started wholetailing before open door. Yeah. And open door never came here. So <laughs> <laughs> they still haven't. They're probably yeah. never going to. But what we noticed was that especially in our market, all the wholesale deals seemed so tight. Sure. And a, a lot of the MLS deals just seem tight too. So we've only ever really done direct to seller marketing because we always put ourselves in a position coming into this with no money, uh, trying to figure out how to get deals so cheap that you cannot lose. Like it's yeah. almost impossible to lose money. Um, so it's funny now that you're doing that marketing, are you noticing that the direct to seller leads have more spread in them? I know that sometimes with with cold calling, you end up with a lot more leads that are junk, but yep. with some of the better leads that make it through the pipeline, are you like, dang, there's so much more money to be made going direct to seller <laughs> than trying to get these other deals? Or are you just like, eh, it's kind of the, kind of the same? No, hundred percent. My biggest deals so far this year have all been direct to seller. Um, the other ones that I will say have been very profitable for me have been the pocket listings from realtors. You know, before it hits the market, negotiating basically direct with a seller through the agent. And uh, I've gotten, I don't know, five or six of those. And those have all been really good deals. Uh, the wholesaler, just like you said, uh, they were super tight here. Uh, the on-market stuff is mainly super tight here. I think there is the opportunity in on-market in lu the luxury space because they require heavier rehabs, heavier cash, um, everything like that. But yeah, 100%, the, the uh, off direct-to-seller leads have been much bigger spreads than anything. So I'm definitely focused on that. And you just have so many more exit strategies that way. It's, it's hard to sell um, wholesale a uh, yeah. on-market property. Uh, it's not fun. So um, you just have a lot more exit strategies with those direct-to-seller leads as well. So I'm definitely pushing my business that way. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say like your average uh, loan to value that you're usually buying at? Because we've noticed that we usually buy somewhere between 50 and 55% obviously before rehab, but what, do you know like what your averages are or is that the COO guy again? COO guy. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm not the dumb. I need to get more involved. And like I said, you know, I'm still new to this business. I'm 10, 11 months in. So I'm still learning what I need to be focusing on. It's great hearing from people like you guys and, you know, everyone else in the, in our, in our coaching group, because uh, I've learned so much. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. Like if I didn't join that group, you know, where would I be right now if I didn't hire a coach? And I think that max, I would have done three to four flips right now versus 30. And, uh, you know, anyone watching this, I totally recommend hiring a mentor or coach, getting a course. I know you guys are dropping a course soon, or if you already have, um, you know, totally recommend doing that because 
it's uh, it just shortens the learning curve so much and gets you ahead of the game versus trying to figure out things on your own or uh, just, I mean, you can learn everything about flipping on YouTube. You really can, but it's just right. not going to be or- organized in a way where it can help you speed up that, that learning process and get you to the next level. Yeah, it's funny because whenever we first uh, decided to go in uh, Ryan's um, group, we were just like, man, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is worth it. We, you know, we're six months in and we're like, I don't know if this has been worth the money that we spent. And then we like look at the entire business that we built and we're all like, building at the same time we're having the same issues and then we're all like kind of doing the same things like even though it's not like you know ryan's like okay do this this and this and this and he doesn't tell you specifically every time we are all doing the same thing because we're watching him and we like kind of implement it because we're all around each other so um the one the one uh spreadsheet the deals in the pipeline where he helps you organize everything that one thing alone was worth the money that we spent on the program like seriously like that one thing and then being around the group, I think is, uh, yeah, I think Ryan brings some awesome people around him. So my question would be, uh, like, what got you to choose Ryan as your coach? Like, were you looking at other people or were you just like, I need a coach, Ryan's the guy? Dude, I saw him on TikTok. That's how, that's I, that's how I found about him. No, um, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I like I was... the dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, though, uh, I would say that I thought that he aligned with my personality and who I am as a person the most out of everyone else. I look, cause you know, there's tons of, of guys in our space that are selling coaching programs and courses and whatnot. Uh, I would, I would say that it was just the fact that, you know, he's a former ball player. Um, you know, he had, you know, Christian values. Um, I think that, that was really it. Cause I, you know, he's about my age. I'm, I'm 30 years old and I was, um, uh, you know, I was big into sports growing up and that's something I could relate to. And I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, he seemed like, you know, another, a guy I would be friends with or, you know, hang out with, or, or like my, I I just saw him as myself. And um, I think that's why I joined him. That's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. You seem so much older than me. We're both the same age. (laughs) You're just bigger, stronger, built, built. I don't know about strong. I don't know about stronger, man. (laughs) I was actually watching some of your uh, old YouTube videos on your YouTube channel of you fighting in the beginning. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony's a beast, dude. I'll tell you a funny story. We were, we're going to this uh, appointment and uh, um, Tony walks up and he's like, dang, you work out. And then like, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I work out a little bit. And then, and then I walk up and he's like, you look like you need to keep lifting. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, what the heck, dude? Yeah, Dakota's, more, Dakota's more consistent and methodical about it. Like I get to the gym maybe three days a week and Dakota's going like almost every day. Yeah. So uh, it's a little discouraging. I'm just like, or if I have different genetics. Yeah. If I don't work out, I get skinnier. That's, that's my issue. I'm actually yeah. tiny, but yeah. yeah. What, what would you say, uh, what CRM tools or systems would you not be able to live without? Okay. So I use Podio as my CRM. I use call tools as my dialer. And um, that's what my acquisitions use as to call out as well. Um, I use, prop stream to pull lists. I use list source to pull lists and I use batch leads to pull lists. We use batch leads to text. Dang, um, yeah, like almost the exact same setup. Really? Well, yeah. it's probably because we came from Ryan, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's really it. Um, Google Sheets is super nice. We have a, a flip spreadsheet that Tyler made, of course. I didn't have any sort of spreadsheet keeping track of anything when when he first started. So that's been that's been great to be able to monitor that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, and it, it's working for us. Like I said, we're, I just hired, you know, two new acquisitions people in the past three weeks. And so that I'm really learning how to train them because sales, like for me, sales has always been natural. I've never really learned like the dy- dynamics of what makes a good salesman. And so I've really been diving into that, you know, through Steve Trang's, uh, course, um, and just watching YouTube videos of, of people cold calling and learning like their, their scripts and how they do everything. For me, it was just natural. I just had the you know natural ability to talk to people and um, connect with people, but teaching someone is a whole different game. Cause I just, I didn't, I just did it naturally. I didn't know that there was, you know, fundamentals behind it and everything. So that's, that's been a big learning curve for me and I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure that out. Cause I want to, you know, help them succeed as much as possible. So, you know, we can grow as a company. 
Yep. That's the same thing that I've noticed. I feel like I was kind of a natural salesperson and I didn't even know what I was saying or why I was saying it. And then that was the nice thing with having Tony, having a partner there watching. And then you're like, here's what you say here. And here's what, why it works. Cause a lot of times I don't know why it works, but uh, um, I got to ask, man, how did you get the nickname Clint, the closer? Like, how did that come about? Who started that? And like, when did that happen? So I think it happened about March. Um, my, uh, in, in my accountability group, Davila was leading it. And I, at that point I had like three or four deals in like a month time frame. And he's like, Oh, Clint, the closer. He just kept with it. And so everybody in my accountability group started calling me that. And everybody started calling me that everyone in the real estate world's called me that. So I just, uh, I, I took it and ran with it. That's so, amazing. That's yeah. awesome. I, yeah. Brian is awesome, dude. He's got, he's got such a good personality. He's so happy for everybody. He's awesome. Yeah, no, he was super helpful in my development. Definitely wouldn't be where I am without him either. So, I mean, there's just so many people that, you know, that help you get to where you want to be. And um, I'm super thankful for all those people, for sure. There's too many to name, but especially starting out, like, you know, anyone who wants to get in real estate, I would totally recommend, you know, get yourself out there, meet as many people as you can that are doing what you want to do, because they're going to be able to help you and accelerate you to that level. Um, so I was like, when I first started in December, I remember I was, uh, spending a ton of time meeting with other flippers in the area, the ones that would have meetings with me and meeting wholesalers, uh, having coffees, having the lunches. And that ultimately led to those first few deals that, you know, got the ball rolling for me. So that's awesome. Did you ever do any cold calling or anything yourself? So when I first got out of college, I went to work for my dad. Uh, before I got into the sports business and he was in uh, transportation uh, logistics. He owned a third-party logistics company. So I built a book of business working for him, cold calling. So I had some experience doing that. So when I got started, like that first month in December, I remember I called <coughs> 150 or so realtors in the area, just introduced myself. Um, and then same with pulling my first few lists. I, you know, I cold call all of them myself. Um, so yeah, I, I have some experience with it and I think I'm pretty good at it. It's, it's, uh, you know, just a repetition thing. Yep. Hey, let me ask you, what is your biggest struggle right now? Teaching sales, I would say, and growing the team, um, and maximizing the potential of the team. I think I'm just, I'm really new to the business. So I'm still learning, still learning, you know, like, like I was talking about a minute ago, on how to train sales versus just doing sales. And so that, that's been the biggest learning curve. And like I said, we're only three weeks in with those people. So I, we still got a lot of time to get better. Um, but yeah, I would say that's my biggest issue is just learning how to train people, learning how to grow the team uh, because it's new to me. Before in my other business, we were you know, just a, two owners working together, didn't have any employees. So it's, it's, been, it's definitely been different. But it's also been great, a great thing, you know, built, trying to build a team. So I'm having a lot of fun doing it, but uh, definitely, that's definitely my biggest struggle right now. Did your, did your last uh, company have employees or was it just you two partners and then you guys did the whole thing? Yeah, we had one or two every now and then, but they just didn't last long. Um, it just, it, it just wasn't my, my, like I said before, my partner just really wanted it to be me and him working nonstop, running the business, doing everything, keeping all the profits for ourselves. That's just not how I wanted to run it. Um, but yeah, we we had one or two, but they didn't last very long the way we were running the business. So your whole like, you know, teaching and leadership and like you being like the CEO of something is all kind of new to you? It's, it's all brand new, all nice. brand new. So definitely a learning curve. That's that's definitely my biggest struggle right now, but uh, I'm working on it. So yep. I feel like, like I said, I feel like, man, like Ryan has influenced us all more than we even like realized to like where we were all building, like basically the same thing that he is. And like, we're all kind of going to this, you know, out in the water where it's like unknown, you know? And yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think that with anything, you know, if you want to grow and you want to get to another level, you got to get out in that unknown and that uncomfortable space. Uh, that's what I figured out with everything. It's like, if you want to get somewhere and get, you know, grow, like you've got to get uncomfortable. You got to get, put yourself in positions that you're not normal, not normally comfortable with. So you eventually become comfortable. Um, and, and Ryan's great about, 
you know, telling it as it is. And that's what I'm trying to be as a leader too. Like, I'm not trying to sugarcoat stuff. I'm, I'm trying to tell them, you know, exactly, you know, what you need to do to get there being very blunt about things, um, not having emotion, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working at it, but, um, you know, I, I think we're going to have a, a big 2022 is the plan. I'm, I'm really excited to see what we do. I really, our, our goal right now is to do 75 deals next year. Um, so that's, I mean, obviously that's a huge jump from 30 this year, uh, but putting a team in place, I, I think we can do it. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely, dude. And you've been doing most of this yourself because you just started hiring acquisitions guys three weeks ago. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be nuts. Are your acquisitions guys local? Yeah, they're in, they're in the other room next to me right now, making calls. So let's go. Yep. What yep. do you pay them hundred percent commission as well then? Or do you have them on some sort of salary or base? Salary to start plus commission. And then yeah. after four months, the salary will go away. Nice. I remember uh, I saw you ask that question. And uh, yeah, luckily we, so we found a guy that was, uh, he's in high school, 18 years old. And he's just a freaking, like, he's motivated. He's a, he's a killer, man. He's gotten us probably, I think like 14 deals so far. And he started like three or four months ago. Um, so it worked out though that he didn't need the money. And like, now he's starting to make some, some pretty dang good money. So yeah. percent. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I think, you know, one thing with hiring super important to find studs or, or, you know, extremely high level people because uh, stud, like Ryan told me that studs like to run with studs. So if you start getting a few studs in your office, it's going to attract more studs. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's a big part of building a team and I'm learning that. So uh, always be looking out, you know, I'm, I'm finding this with hiring too. It's like, I need to be constantly on the lookout for the next person because, you know, obviously turnover does happen um, and it's not fun, but if you, constantly stay on that search looking for that next person that good candidate uh you can stay ahead of the game and you know elevate your company to the next level because like i said with tyler um i think it was just a, an absolute game changer for our company i think we're going to be way ahead because i have someone going to battle with me every day uh trying to grow the company that's awesome it's kind of funny we're in uh arate and uh it's with uh ed milet and andy Frisola. have you heard of those guys Oh yeah, for sure. So, 75 hard challenge. Yeah. So and we're, I know Ed too. Max out. Yep. We're in their mastermind and it's yep. basically about like leadership development, social media, that sort of thing. We're kind of in a section right now. That's not as desirable to me, like the things that they're talking about, but it seemed like when we first started a lot of like burning questions or like problems that were popping up or like things that you think about when you're trying to run, manage and scale a company kept popping up like right at the exact time that we needed the information. Sure. Um, so that'd be something that you could consider. Yeah, if, if absolutely. Wanted to look into like leadership and management. Yeah. And I need, I need to broaden my horizon too. Cause like I said, I've, I joined Ryan's program. I haven't joined any other programs. Um, I really need to start joining some other programs because even if you can learn just a few things from that program that changes your business, you know, that's huge. And the, the money is, is, you know, well invested. So I've easily, and I signed up for Ryan, you know, a second year with him. Um, so I'm super excited about that and growing with everybody. How, are you guys in for the next year as well? Yep. Yeah, nice. so we're, we're actually, uh, um, we are accountability coaches, so we yep. do that, and so we actually get uh, to stay in the program as long as we're doing those accountability, which has honestly been cool, too, because, like, we get to see these other people grow, and then also get ideas from them as they're getting new ideas, so it's actually uh, Johnny Phillips, um, he's out in California, Yeah, he's the one who told us about, you know, reaching out to the realtors and asking them for them uh for leads and stuff and i'm like man like that's a good idea so he's the first person that we heard that from and then hector i'm i think you're close to hector right you're the same I am. yeah yep. so he's i mean he's a he's an animal dude like i yep. learned every time he's on the call i'm like hector please get on this call like i need to hear you speak because every time i hear him i'm like dude like there's so much wisdom drop so yeah i think it's honestly i'm like I can't even believe the opportunity i mean i can tell you that sometimes it is a little frustrating because there'll be you know somebody that'll text us at 12 o'clock in the morning say call me right now i need your help and it's like not that you know it's not yeah. that deep or important we kind of still have a responsibility to yeah. help those people so it's sure. kind of like having a job but they did give us a steep discount on the second year of sure yeah. yeah for being coaches yeah so yeah. it's definitely worth it but that's that's what we do and yeah we, we're gonna stay in as long as we can now and honestly like 
the group is the main thing like meeting people like you Hector I mean Johnny like like I seriously think that Ryan attracts a certain kind of person and you know there's people like Grant Cardone which I respect but he's obviously not somebody who attracts or that I want to be like so he's like attracts these certain people who are very uh douche yeah, they're just like, you know, like they, they are all about the money and like they will sure. treat anybody, you know, anyway. So I think that Ryan just attracts uh, uh, just good people. So, yeah, I, I would love to stay in the program as long as we can possibly stay in it. I agree 100 percent. And it's funny you mentioned Hector because I actually wholesaled my first deal to him. Wow. And uh, he got he pretty much walked me through the process of how to wholesale. <laughs> and in turn, taught you how. in turn, he got a great deal. Um, you know, he got a, you know, I, I've, I've noticed this too with new wholesalers. They're great to go after because, you know, they, they don't know exactly what they have. And that was one of those situations with Hector, you know, he led me through the process, but in turn, he got a great deal. I think they made like 60 K on. So, yep. Yep. We always try to do that. I mean, I've seen people take advantage of uh, new wholesalers and then like they'll snake the deal from them and then they won't even pay them. Um, and we've seen that multiple times and like, Dude, actually, uh, there was a guy you talked about um, wholesaling properties off the MLS. This guy was trying to do that in Indiana. Dude, we're buying houses for 40000 $50,000 here. I mean, like you can't make very much spread. So he puts a deal under contract for retail and he tried to wholesale it. And I'm like, bro, like that's not going to work. And uh, so we got out of that deal and we actually bought the first deal from him. And now he's cold calling and stuff for us. And uh, he's still like, you know, we're going to be the first people that he ever goes to whenever he finds a deal because like we helped him with his first wholesale deal. So yeah, sure. I think that, that is super valuable. And uh, yeah, actually helping those wholesalers, hopefully yep. they'll be your guy. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll be wrapping this up, but a couple more questions, I guess. Uh, I saw one that uh, Tony thought of that I think uh, is a good question. Is like, what would you think your biggest strength or like what your superpower is? I think uh, just my competitive nature and will to win. Um, I got that through sports. Um, even in college when I wasn't playing sports, I was in every intramural game. Um, I think it was just my, my, my will to win my obsessiveness. And I think that's super important with being good at anything. You have to become obsessed with it. You have to, and you've got to want it. You've got to, um, you can't just force yourself to want it. You've got to have that want inside you. And then, you know, when I want something, I just like, I'll do whatever it takes to get there. I'll, you know, I, I'm super obsessive when, when I get something I want to do, like, for instance, you know, fishing, uh, I am like super competitive with fishing right now. I don't play, I don't play too many sports and that sounds funny. You're like fishing. Oh, great. But <laughs> I, I'm in like these bass tournaments on Lake Lanier down here in Georgia. And we are going, you know, I'm riding 70 miles an hour down the lake on my boat, fishing 150 spots throughout the day, like literally just running up and down. And, and fishing as hard as I can uh, against a hundred other anglers. And that's kind of been my way to keep up my competitiveness other than business. But I would just say it's, it's my superpower is my obsessive nature when I get, when I want something. And uh, I think that just helps me in everything. Awesome. Is there anything that you wanted to ask us or anything that we can help you with uh, before we ask you some closing questions? Um, I think I, I, I requested to join y'all's accountability group. So I'm hoping I get a lot of help from you guys in the future. Uh, I re Rohan posted that in the group, I guess it was a couple weeks or a week ago. And, uh, I requested you guys, so we'll see, but, uh, you know, really, I, I need to reach out to y'all more when I have questions, because you guys have tons of experience. Uh, like you were saying before Dakota, I, we just haven't really, you know, talked too much in the past, but. Uh, when I saw you guys were looking for podcast guests, I hopped on it immediately because I, you know, wanted to sit down with you guys and talk. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it, man. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while too. Every time I see him, yeah. like, hey, what's up, man? And then like we're like talking or see each other in passing and stuff. For sure. I didn't know you were so young though, dude. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this question has a lot of weight on it, and it's kind of like uh, you you might have to think about it for a second. So it's either going to be a dud or it's going to be awesome. Um, if you could put any saying or any mantra on a billboard, it's your message to the world. You got one saying, one script, one, one thing. It's in Times Square or it's somewhere where everybody's going to see it. It's in multiple languages. It's your message to the world. What would it say? Mamba mentality. Always try to be the best version of yourself. Always be on that quest to be the best version of yourself. Um, 
I was big into sports. Kobe was one of my, um, you know, guys I looked up to growing up. And uh, that, that Mamba mentality is something I've always, I always think about. I've got a poster in my office of it. Um, I just think it's, it's such a great saying because you're just constantly trying to improve to be the best version of yourself. That's awesome. Have you watched a lot of uh, Kobe interviews? All of them. Haven't missed one. Yeah. I say I watched one of his. I find it very, I find him very interesting because he seems like he lives his life like basically like a, uh, it, it seemed like his whole entire life was just strategy. That was it. Like, it's like, dang, dude, I don't even know if he enjoyed it because it felt like he was being strategic with everything that he did. Yeah. The ultimate competitor. He really was, man. And uh, it, it sucks. We lost him. You know, he, he was a, a great person and someone that I think anybody can learn something from. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love Kobe. Really sad that he's gone, but he definitely left a, a huge legacy behind. Is there a book, a podcast, a video, something that you think that everybody should listen to, watch, or that like demonstrates a huge amount of value um, to you? This podcast. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to clip that <laughs> um no I, I it's funny I, i'm not actually a reader like i've read the only book i've read in the past 10 years is the future flipper book that Pineda gave me when i joined his program i'm just never been big into reading podcasts i mean a little bit i've watched listen to bigger pockets a little bit um but most of the podcasts i listen to are like pardon my take for entertainment um, so I'm, I'm just not big in that stuff. I like to watch YouTube videos every now and then. Uh, but I've really gotten most of my like inspiration and, and, uh, leadership skills, I guess, from sports. Awesome. Well, Dakota's got one for you. What's the name of that one that Ed Milet did? Oh, unlocking your success code by Ed Milet. So Listen good. to that one. Yeah. So it just talks, actually, you know, it's funny. I just listened to that this morning. <laughs> Uh, I've probably listened to that. Uh, I mean, probably four or five times now. It's about an hour and a half long, but yeah, it just talks about just leveling up and leveling up yourself. And, you know, you know, one of those things that you, we've been talking about a lot that he talks about is like, you know, one way to get better is by getting around other people who are, you know, making you level up. And that's exactly what we do. in you know, Ryan's program is when you're around people like the Bokley brothers or like, you know, like Ryan and like, you're seeing what they're doing, dude, you can't help, but like, all right, like, now you realize that what I'm doing is like, you know, not a huge deal because there's a lot more out there, but also shows you what's possible. So yeah, it humbles you and inspires you at the same time. So yeah, that, that podcast right there though, is definitely help you to get to the next level. It's like an hour and a half of pure gold too. Like every single thing yeah. he says during that. Like, Absolutely. I'll, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. And it's funny. You said the, the Bokley brothers, like they're the ones who inspired me to get into these, some of these higher end flips. Um, you know, they told me it's, you know, it's just like flipping a, a, a $200,000 home is the same as the million, it's the same process, it's just a little bit different. It's a little more detailed and you need a, a few more people on your team, but it's the same process. And um, I totally agree with you too about being around those people that make you level up. I listened to Brandon Turner one time talk about this. He said this guy, his first year in real estate, he did a hundred flips. And the reason he did a hundred flips was because everyone around him was doing over a hundred flips. So he just thought that was normal. Right. And, exactly. and yeah. And uh, I think that's, it's just a mindset thing. You know, you, you realize sometimes that you can do things that you didn't think you were capable of just being around those right people. Yep. That's the same way with car sales. You know, if you were selling uh, 15 to 20 cars, that was seen as really good. So if you were doing yeah. that, most people kind of slow down and stop once they hit 20 because everybody else around them considered that very good. And uh, yeah, you just, you, you get used to that, but you get around other guys who are selling 25 to 30, then now you think that that's the level that you now need to hit. So, yeah. Uh, how, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me at Clint Closer on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook. It's just Clint Cooper. Um, but yeah, if any of the listeners have a question or anything from me, Feel free to send me a DM, shoot me a message or whatever. I'd be happy to get back with you. So where are you most active at? Would you say? I would say Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, which part of Georgia are you out of? I'm in Flowery Branch, Georgia. So it's like 45 minutes northeast of Atlanta. But you'll uh, flip in Atlanta too, right? I generally don't like to flip in the inner city. Um, just have a lot of problems with crime and, and whatnot there. But anywhere in the suburbs, like west side, east side, north side, south side, 
anywhere in the suburbs, I'm flipping. So in the very unlikely probability that somebody who's listening to this has a house in it around Atlanta, Georgia area, <laughs> uh, know that uh, Cooper Cash Offer is where you need to go. Uh, submit your Google lead That's right. your information. Give them a call uh, anywhere near Flowery Branch. What you I'll buy to, cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buys cash, close quickly. You can even assume somebody's loan, help them out of mortgage foreclosure. No realtor fees, no closing costs. I like awesome. it. Sweet. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. We is awesome having you, and we definitely appreciate it. Do you have any yeah. final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. Awesome. Cool. Yep. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Appreciate yep. you. Yep. See ya. See Peace. you, bro.